All right, everybody, welcome back to another episode of Kente Corner. I'm your host, Bobby Bancroft. And just as you expected, this is our special bracket edition as Georgetown has qualified, of course, you know, for the 2021 NCAA tournament by winning the entire Big East tournament. The 13 and 12 Hoyas dismantled Creighton tonight, and it was never even a game. So, of course, I'm joined by NY Hoya and bracketologist Brad Wachtel. Brad, where are the Hoyas going to land? We have to know. 11, 12, 13, what do we got? I got the Hoyas on the 12 seed line at the moment. Um, I don't see them being higher than that, and I feel pretty good about them on that 12 line uh, based on the fact that they're probably going to jump into the top 70 of the net uh, after this throbbing uh, of uh, Creighton. And the fact that they have already beaten Villanova and Creighton twice, those are some really good wins. And when you compare them around teams on their seed line, uh, they're they're better than teams that are behind them. So I feel good about them being a 12 seed right now. And why? How's it going, buddy? I don't. I don't know what to say right now. I don't. This is. I'm not living on the same planet as everyone else. We we were projected to finish last in the biggest conference before the season started. We just won the biggest tournament. A two-star named Dante Harris just won most outstanding player. I don't know what planet I'm living on right now, but I'm by myself, very happy, and I agree with everything that Brad Waxell just said because he's the number one bracketologist in the country. He is. Now, Brad, I'm going to be honest, and maybe a lot of Georgetown fans are like me in that when the Hoyas aren't in the mix, we're not really necessarily – paying as close of attention as we normally would. Can you explain to us which which seeds end up having to play in that first four, and is Georgetown in danger of that? So Georgetown is not in danger of playing in the first four because, okay. they're, in, because they're in auto bid. Um, so the first four is comprised of uh, the last four at-large teams to get into the tournament, um, as well as the last four 16 seeds. So Georgetown doesn't have to worry about that. Um, they're not going to be in that extra game that, you know, some people don't consider as being part of the tournament, even though it actually is. Uh, right. So they're, they're going to be in the, uh, you know, 12-5 matchup in all likelihood, and, and uh, they'll know their opponent tomorrow night. And can I ask one question about Georgetown's overall profile? And I know that every team could go back, and if they could reverse one result – it would affect everything, but this is a Georgetown pod. This is Kente corner. So I want to ask you about Georgetown. If the Navy game had gone differently, where would we be looking at Georgetown seating? I know that's it's if and buts and all that stuff, but if you could just tell me like how, how much of that hurt them? Um, maybe one seed line. Okay. Um, nothing more than that. Uh, because like Georgetown is 13 and 12 overall. Um, even though record, especially this year, it really doesn't mean nearly as much as what it's meant in the past. Um, but I think that loss to Navy might have dropped them 10 spots in the net. Uh, so I think they could have been an 11 seed at best. Um, but it's possible they still would have been on the 12 line. And why? Are you on the same page as Steve Lavin? And do you think I could get him as a guest this week? Steve Lavin is a psychopath, but I agree with everything he said tonight. 
Steve, for, for those of you who weren't paying attention, Steve Lavin before this game said that Georgetown was going to win, said that Georgetown was essentially the hottest team in the country and the storyline of college basketball, which before this game made zero sense. And after the game, everyone was like, Steve Lavin is a really smart person. So <laughs> I, I don't know what to think about Steve Lavin, but after we won the Big East Championship, Steve Lavin said, if I'm Gonzaga right now, I think Georgetown can beat Gonzaga. Gonzaga is undefeated and is the number one overall seed in the NCAA tournament. (laughs) We have zero chance to play Gonzaga until at least the Sweet 16. So I don't know what Steve Lavin is talking about, but I respect Steve Lavin as a human being because this is – I don't – if it's the greatest night of my life, it might be the greatest night of his life because we're living on another planet right now. Um, but I thank you, Steve, for maybe he loves Patrick Ewing, maybe he loves Georgetown basketball. I don't, I don't know what's happening right now, but everything he said is accurate, came true, and if anyone was wagering money before this game, they're rich right now. Hey, Brad, can you give us the good news? Who are the type of teams that Georgetown is going to knock out? And notice I did not say that they're stealing a spot. I didn't say that they're a bid thief because I think what they just did in New York is more impressive than what a lot of these kind of power five schools that are, you know, in the mix for one of the lot, or I should say power six because it's basketball, but you know what I mean? Um, So I don't think that they've stolen a bid, but who are some of the teams that they potentially could knock out? And if you wouldn't mind, please include Syracuse. (laughs) Well, there actually is a chance that they could play Syracuse, but in a, in a kind of uh, unconventional way. Uh, but I'll get to that after this. Uh, so some teams that I think that Georgetown could end up playing are... Oh, no, Florida no. State. I'm sorry. Yep. Te- teams yep. That, that they could... That them winning knock out. Oh, who they knock out. Gotcha. Which, which is why I said, and please say Syracuse. Yeah, I still think Syracuse is in, unfortunately. Oh. Um, sorry, sorry to say that. Uh, Colorado okay. State. Colorado State is my team that got knocked out as a result. Um, okay. But th- that being said, the you know I'm not perfect. I, I'm I'm close to being perfect, but I'm not perfect. So Colorado State, Wichita State, Syracuse, and Utah State. Of those four teams, it's one of those teams that got knocked out. So there's a chance Syracuse is the team that got knocked out. Um, that's what we're all hoping for. And uh, <laughs> we, I, I guess we'll find out. But I don't think – I think Syracuse, because of they do have a really weak profile, but their net is better than everybody else that they're up against on the bubble. I think they're in slightly better shape. Um, but right now I think Syracuse is still in at the moment. And but if, if Georgetown – if Georgetown-Syracuse and Oregon State – I'm sorry, if Georgetown-Cincinnati and Oregon State all win, what happens? Yeah. I think there's a good chance Syracuse gets knocked out then. That's what we like to hear. Yep. And then, so yeah, the type of teams that Georgetown might play for this part of the segment, please try and find a way to include Texas Tech. There is a chance for Texas Tech. Um, I, I am projecting Texas Tech to be a six seed at the moment. So obviously six plays 11. Yeah. Uh, so I don't think that's going to happen, but hey, six is close to five. 
Sure. Uh, so I, I do think Texas Tech is one of the teams that is possible. Um, other teams that I think are a possibility are Florida State, uh, Purdue, Tennessee, Colorado, uh, and possibly USC. Um, and Virginia's and Virginia's one other team. I think I, I have them as a four seed. Um, so I don't think they would play them. Um, but then there are other teams that are in that uh, seed vicinity that I don't think they'll play. Teams like Creighton, who they won't play. A team like Villanova and a team like West Virginia, who they already played in the regular season. It's possible they get matched up matched up with them again, which would be annoying, um, but probably not likely. So, so really, you're looking at Florida State, Purdue, Tennessee, Colorado, USC, and even Texas Tech. So, obviously, I'm all about the storylines. I included, you know, Syracuse, and then I did the little bit of a uh, the shade on Texas Tech based on which players left Georgetown and decided to go there. Um, and why? Do you have any sort of is there is there a team that that we just heard that kind of gets you going as far as wanting to see, or is there a team that you're a little bit scared about? I don't think that we can beat Virginia or Florida State, but every other team that he just mentioned, I feel like I I don't know what's happening right now. This is <laughs> this is unfamiliar and an unusual, uncomfortable territory for me because I, I mean, as Patrick Ewing just said, we were projected to finish last. We ended up in first, so. If we don't play another game for the rest of the season, I'm fine with that. Yeah. But that's that 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 said, I we can beat a lot of teams right now. We're not we're not backing down and this is the anniversary of John Thompson being hired as Georgetown's head coach, so the world we're living in right now is unusual. So I'm ready to go. Yeah, it just doesn't make a whole lot of sense. You know, obviously, we did so many pods during the pandemic. We did that great bracket that you came up with. Um, I Well, you and other people, I think, but you were definitely a big, a big part of it. And, you know, you and John and I got going, and I always like to give my little, oh, you know, I go to the tournament every year. I just want to get to Friday night, man. I'll take 11th place if it means Friday night at the Garden. And every time I said that, I meant it, right? But I also, that's like as far as I saw them going, and I was cool with it. Like I was, you know, and then when you look at the way the season started, that seemed like, okay, probably not going to make Friday night at the garden. But then once, you know, everything fell the way it did, they great after the pause, after, you know, after the COVID, the UConn games were tough, right? And basketball, you know, a lot of sports are matchups, right? I mean, that's just part of it. But basketball seems to be particularly matchups. And when you go on a run like this, you do need some luck. That just happens. It's not just to Georgetown, it's to everybody. You know, if you go back to 2011, the run that uh, Connecticut went on, well, guess what? They got to play a Georgetown team in their second game because UConn played DePaul. Then they played Georgetown without Chris Wright. You know, now we know what 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 that team did, right? So luck's a part of a lot of this stuff. But to have Georgetown just do what they did, I, it sounds weird and, I don't know, lame or defeatist or whatever. But if you told me, you know what, their season's over, I'd be like, this was almost the best, one of the best seasons I've experienced, you know, and I'm 40, right? So... And I don't say that trying to be flip or just, you know, nonchalant. And, you know, we're talking about the NCAA tournament. It just seems so abstract that it's just like this extra thing. And maybe there's this something going on cosmically where it's like all of the crap that we've taken for so long 
maybe Georgetown could be that team that doesn't lose to the double digit. They are the double digit. Am I crazy? Is it weird that we just won the biggest championship by 25 points? (laughs) And I feel like we should have won by 35 because we missed a lot of free throws. I feel like I was disappointed in the second half. I, I don't know what's happening right now. This is very bizarre, but this is, I mean, I don't know what to say. The world is upside down. I feel like I'm watching the Hamilton musical. And I, Brad, what do you got? Well, Brad, Brad, if I told you before the game that the following three players would have the same point total, what would you have put Georgetown's chance of winning? The players are Jamarco Pickett, Timothy Egoefe, and Malcolm Wilson. If I said they all scored the same amount, would you have thought Georgetown won or lost? I thought they lost. Yes! Of course. I mean, even after <laughs> after watching the first couple minutes of the game, it was like Georgetown wasn't making shots. Yeah. They looked really tired. And it's like, all right, you know, it was a good run. Um, but Creighton's probably going to go on. You know, this could be a double-digit loss. That's, that's the kind of the feeling that I got. And then all of a sudden, Georgetown hit a couple shots, tied the game up at like 11. It's like, uh, all right, they're right there. They could, they're back. And uh, then they didn't look back from that point on. What did you guys think about the MVP? Did you like it? Did you have another player? Because I mean, I honestly think it was a very competitive category. I, I'm not objective. But I, I mean, I I thought when when they, before the announcement, I thought it was going to be I was like, is it? Can they possibly announce Dante as a freshman, winning the biggest tournament MVP, or is it going to be Kudis, or is it going to be Javon? Because I thought, and and that's a testament to the entire team. Because I thought that we were so balanced over the course of four days and four wins that yeah. it could have been Javon, it could have been Kudis, it could have been Dante. I didn't know what to think. And, and if Pickett I, had done anything I mean, tonight, it could have been him. It could have been Pickett. It could, I, I mean, I, I, I told, um, I mean, I told Brad before the game that if we were going to win, the only way we were going to win was if, because if, if you look at the four games, the first game was, you know, Javon had a great game. The second game, Dante had a great game. The third game, Jamarco had a great game. Kudis had a great game. I mean, really, in all three of the first three games. And so I, I said the only, the only, really the only guy who hasn't stepped up of the of the top six guys over the over the course of the week has been Don Carey. So I said the only way that Georgetown's going to win this game is if Don Carey hits two threes, and Don Carey hit two threes in this game, and we won. But you know he wasn't going to win the biggest most outstanding player, and so it really could honestly it could have been anyone in the entire team to win that award. I'm fine with it going to Dante. Could have been Kudis. Could have been Patrick Ewing for all I care. But I, the fact that it was suspenseful at the end is just a tense testament to the entire team because we were so balanced all the way throughout. Brad, what do you think? Yeah, yeah, I would agree with that. I mean, I, I think, as, as you said, freshman point guard – the fact that he's so like under control, didn't turn the ball over, 
it just seems like he, uh, Dante was in charge, man with a plan. And once you saw Javon Blair hitting shots, like I, crazy shots in the first half, you're just like, this is, this is George Stenstein. Like they're, they're not losing this game. Um, and yeah, like how we said, team effort, balanced attack. Uh, the fact that Georgetown has all of a sudden been consistently defending on a game-to-game basis and rebounding the way they have, like, yeah, it's, this team, they deserve it. Yeah, I made the case during the game, and I do like to argue, but on this case, I'm not going to because I think that Dante's a very deserving winner of this. The reason I wanted Javon, and maybe I'm a little bit Javon biased because I was on Team Javon last year when the roster was full and he wasn't really playing because I was just like, this is this is the guy off the bench. This is who you tap on the shoulder. You say, go in there and score. So I th- always thought he had like a big a big purpose and a, a big you know place on the team. You know, they, they were down 13-6. They got back in it. Don Carey made kind of like a really deep three. Jim Jackson was like, okay, you know. But then Blair, you know, he banked in a three. He hit a three kind of in transition. He threw up some crazy layup that, you know, I don't even know how it went in. It wasn't a layup. It was like a runner and it banked in. So for me, I thought Blair came right in and just kind of put the shots in and put the game away. And then obviously, you know, there was great defense going on. Creighton's also missing shots. Belay's blocking shots. There was a lot happening, but I felt like that moment, it was kind of like the only moment that it was ever in the balance Javon Blair put it away. And that's why I would have gone that way. But again, I'm not going to sit here and argue and say that his award was stolen and blah, blah, blah. But that's just the case that I made in that moment. Javon was the difference. Because the game, the game really was, you know, they won by 25. It was never really a game. Brad, how often does this happen? We, you know, we were we were speaking a little bit before, you know, Georgetown has been such a good program for so long that they've never really been in this kind of position when they make the semis coming into this year, 22 times they've made a semis 21 of those times they gone to the tournament without really having to sweat it out. Um, How often does this happen in the big East or just what we'll call the power six, where there's a bid thief just off the top of my head. I want to say that Georgia did it. And I want to say that there was like an Oklahoma team with Nahara, but I can't think of any other instances. Yeah, it's not it's not very often. It's once in a you know once in a, every number of years because it's so difficult to win power conference tournaments. I mean, the Big East only has eleven teams. I'm not going to say it's easier, but in a lot of cases, maybe there's one less round, one less game a team has to win. Yeah. Um, but but ultimately, it's so difficult to win five games in five days and four games in four days. It just doesn't happen very often, and uh, for Georgetown to finally be in this position where they basically win the tournament or they go home, you know, now they know what it feels like to be. What is going on in the background? <laughs> is there some celebrations going on? Not, not by not me. <laughs> Sorry, Brad. Um, yeah. So, so what I was saying is, so now, now, now Georgetown basically gets to experience what all these low ma- and I'm not comparing them to a low major team, but what all these low major teams, mid major teams feel 
when they are entering their conference tournaments, and it's either you win your conference tournament to go to the NCAA tournament, or you lose and your season's over, and it's total heartbreak. But this is the greatest feeling in college basketball. It Winning is. Winning your conference tournament and advancing to the NCAA tournament instead of going home. No, this is absolutely the greatest feeling. I, I kept telling people that, and I really enjoyed this pod. I really enjoyed the ability to do this, that basically in my lifetime of paying attention to Georgetown, which goes back to about, well, not about, but Alonzo Mornings freshman year, okay, that this probably would have been like the worst two-year stretch to start a podcast. Maybe there's some other points, maybe like the end of Estrick, but even the year before that, they made the NIT you know, final. And... Not that we had anything to do with anything, but I'll say it. To be rewarded with this is just ridiculous. Yeah, you anyway. really can't ask for you really can't ask for anything anything more. I mean, <laughs> the 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 way things have been going, you know, especially with everything Georgetown went through this season with the with COVID outbreak and obviously what they went through last year, transfers, um, and everybody's excited for this you know, great recruiting class coming in next year. And it's almost like everyone's attention was, you know, turned to next year and understandably so. But, you know, guys that are on Georgetown are like, wait, what about us? And, you know, now all of a sudden they're going to go down as one of the most memorable Georgetown teams ever. It is. Do we have celebrations going on in the background? I mean, it's, Patrick Baldwin, Baldwin, Chet Holmgren, Chris Likes. I'm not the one celebrating. All of these guys are celebrating because this might be the greatest night in I, – I mean, this this is might be the greatest night in Georgetown basketball history since 2007, the last time we won a Big East tournament championship. The difference was in 2007, we – Actually, this is a question I don't I don't know the answer to. We won by 25 points against Creighton, and they said it was the second largest margin of victory of any Big East tournament champion. Yeah, was was the first when we beat Pittsburgh in 2007. What was the first? You know, they didn't say that when I was waiting on the Zoom for Patrick to get there. They were kind of just filling us with stats. And that, that is one of the stats they gave, but they, I wish they would have because it would be nice to know. I can tell you that the 2007, it was 65 to 42. So it's not that. That's 23. It's not 25. Yeah, it's not but that. I, because I'll be honest, we missed a lot of free throws tonight. And so for those of us who want perfection, I feel like we, we missed a lot of free throws. We could have done a lot better than we did. But all things considered, I'll take it. Has a team ever, when I talk about luck, I don't mean that in a bad way, but just about there was a game against, you know, a team that before last week probably thought they had a chance to win at all, um, you know, Villanova. And in that game, Georgetown goes out, shoots 23 for 23 from the line, uh, a tournament record, okay? And then two nights later, they go 9 for 18. And for some reason, the last two nights, Gus Johnson was just dead set on the fact that Kudus Wahab was 14 for 14 from the line against Villanova. While that's very nice, he was actually 7 for 7, which is still really impressive. But then tonight, in a game where it didn't matter, 
he goes one for seven from the line. So you know, what I mean? like, you know what I mean? Like, like if he just misses one of those seven. So my point is like, sometimes things just line up. You know, I thought that you, obviously you didn't have a choice of Villanova. Okay. But I thought at least me, I wanted Seton Hall instead of St. John's. Okay. Then I wanted Creighton instead of UConn. And that's not to say that they couldn't have won those other games, but you know what I mean? Didn't it seem like it just kind of lined up? Did Kudis go one for seven tonight? Yeah. Because all I remember from tonight is <laughs> Gus Johnson Gus Johnson saying, do you know what I love about Dante Harris? Or I'm sorry, it was Jimmy Jackson saying, do you know what I love about Dante Harris? And Gus Johnson saying, I don't know, everything? That's the line I remember from tonight. But there you go. We won by 25 in the Big East tournament in the championship game. And Kudus Wahabwin won for seven from the line, which means what? We could have won by 30. <laughs> I think my favorite line of the night was, and I missed I missed Raftery, but Jim Jackson, when, when Blair came in, started just doing stuff. He said, there's just some guys you have to just let them shoot and you deal with the consequences later. And like that's probably the best way to describe Javon Blair's four years at Georgetown. Brad, <laughs> yes, it is. <laughs> bit of bit of breaking news: uh, Virginia is eligible to play in the tournament, so they will not be one of the teams that gets knocked out due to COVID. That remains a possibility for Georgetown to play. Do we know when they? So they've said that, but. Do, is it possible that they might not have all their players? Like, what do we like? What do we know? That is that is possible, yes, because we don't know which guys have it, um, and then they need there needs to be a period, obviously, where they don't have it, the number of days testing negative. So that that's still in flux and still a lot up in the air. And I'm sure they won't be the last team that that ends up getting it, you know, before the tournament starts. So it sounds crazy to say this now because this has been such a great moment in everyone's lives, but. <laughs> I really felt like if the if the if the end goal of the NCAA was to have a tournament, I thought it made no sense to have conference tournaments. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Um, at the very least, I think they should have been more strategic about it. Uh, maybe start the conference tournaments a little bit earlier. Um, you know, like the the Atlantic Ten had their first, second, you know, round games and semifinals all last week, and their championship game is tomorrow. Yeah, um, which I thought was a a pretty smart move. Um, I guess when it comes to planning and all all that sort of stuff, and I mean, I get it. I get it. You want to have the conference tournaments; they're they're a vital piece to a college basketball season. But it's such a big risk, like you said. And you know, March Madness and NCAA tournament such a big money maker. Why take that chance? But you know, it looks like they will they will survive it. Survive in advance. And That's what it's all about. The- the NCAA's solution to this was like, well, well, you know what? We're just going to go ahead and push the tournament back by one day. That that ought to fix it. <laughs> right. Right. Yeah. Um, I mean, all things considered, <laughs> with uh, with the way the season has went, you know, obviously you had a new number of teams that, that had to go on pause. Um, hopefully the worst is behind us. So are we going to get Lavin on here or what? I mean, is Lavin coming? 
Now, Ben, Ben had just asked me before this, he said, you know, okay, you got like a week. I know you've been doing pods every day, like after the games, you know, this is the biggest week of Georgetown basketball in forever. Well, who would you want to get all things being equal? Do you have somebody? I'll tell you Patrick who I Ewing. said. Patrick Ewing. What, yeah. Who'd you say? Well, see, I, I just didn't, I, I guess I, I just didn't think that that, that was obtainable um, this week. I think it's obtainable at some point, but probably not this week. I actually said I wanted to have Ben Gundy on to talk about Patrick. I mean, my second choice was Brad Wachtel, but... Well, I, 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 I already nailed that. <laughs> Ben Gundy would be an excellent choice. Yes. You know, just because he, you know, Patrick played and then he wasn't a coach. And, you know, Jeff always finds a way to talk Georgetown up during the broadcasts. Um, you know, he does it with Jeff Green. He even does it with JT3 still because he's been involved with USA Basketball. So Van Gundy's got that. He's got that Hoya Saxa in him. So I think I think he'd be able to do a lot of gloating about what Patrick's accomplished, um, not just this week, but in the last couple of years and keeping the team together when everything's been falling apart. I think it would be great to talk to him. I also said Iverson, but I don't, that's not obtainable. You know, I mean, I just, you know, just, it's not. Yeah, no, no question. I mean, and, and what, what Patrick Ewing is doing, I mean, he's, he's breaking a stigma um, for NBA guys that become college coaches. And I know there are guys that have been successful. Jawan Howard obviously has done an amazing job at Michigan, but Jawan Howard also took over a program that was built to win. Yeah. Um, you know, Patrick Ewing has pretty much taken a done a rebuilding job. So never coached in college before. You know, the odds were against him. Um, before he even gets his monster recruiting class, he wins the Big East tournament um, as a guy who had no college experience a few years ago. It's pretty it's pretty incredible, um, and I think it's a big win for a lot of NBA guys that may end up pursuing college jobs, and it might influence athletic directors to give those guys a second, uh, you know, think again about those guys um, and give them a shot uh, because now they can see that, Hey, this can be done. Hey, we talked about blue bloods and stuff. I think it was last night. It's all running together. And there, you know, there gets, there's disagreements about where Georgetown falls. I think that they're just outside of that. I, I think I've given my metrics. I forget if you were on here for that or not, but one of the things that you did notice this week and Ben brought up, he explained it in my opinion in a very, very good way. Um, There's just buzz around Georgetown, you know, between the winning, you know, the way that they won against Villanova. And then Patrick decided to tell us all about how hard it was for him to get into the building, you know, and then obviously our good friend, Rich Schwatkin, the way that he broadcast wins. And next thing you know, you got Schwatkin on sports center, you got sports center doing, you know, these, this great segment about like, how are you guys, you know, disrespecting Patrick Ewing and, it just seems like when Georgetown's good, people care. People want them to be good, and that's probably one of the best ways to know that Georgetown matters. And sure, I'm not trying to say that they're on the level of Kentucky and UCLA, but they're not too far. Like they're on that next level of teams, and they've been asleep for a little bit. Would you guys agree with that? Yeah, Brad, I would definitely, I would definitely agree with that. Um, you know, I know a lot of people, a lot of like, you know people in the, in the college basketball world, world still consider Georgetown to be, you know, a top 20 job in the country. And yeah. I would agree with that. And the fact that there's such a, you know, great 
high school basketball, you know, in the DMV area, like it's uh, it's just a place where, you know, once you get things rolling, you can get you can get people from you're going to get the top kids from there, but you can also recruit nationally and get kids from wherever. And it's a destination for a lot of schools, for a lot of players. And that's what it should be. Um, But they need, you know, people need to see them back on the right track. And I think this is, this could put them back in that right direction um, for, for uh, a percept from a perception point of view. It was just so great to see them matter all week. I mean, they mattered all week. Like I don't watch a lot of ESPN, but I was just because I want to see the highlights. Cause like once they're doing well, I care about the other stuff. And then, like I said, you're going out to a commercial they're doing like a Hoyas win, Hoyas win. They come back, they do a thing where they're counting how many times Rich said it, you know. Then they do a big segment on Patrick Ewing. Look, the Big East has benefited greatly from Fox Sports and the FS1 contract, but it freaking matters to be the story on ESPN. You know what I mean? Like it was, it was just, it was just awesome. Yeah, no, it's uh, it's it's great to see them back in the spotlight. Um, you know, it's and and then now you just hope that. You know, I mean, I guess in how in NY's case, um, you just hope that uh, even if they even if they don't even play in the tournament, this is this is gonna last a lifetime. <laughs> They're gonna play. <laughs> I know. We will play in the tournament. This is an automatic bid. <laughs> so and where where do you guys? Do you guys feel like there's there, there's a Sweet 16 run possible for this for this group? I mean, I, I'm not going to go all, all laven on you guys, but is there is there reason for Georgetown fans to think that this is going to last longer than just this let's, week? Let's let's not get crazy here. What that's this is but, the whole point. I, let's, I mean, let's get crazy here, Brad. I think I think sure it's a possibility, but just like any year. Even if Georgetown was a, a three or a four seed, it's all about matchups. Oh, we know all right about matchup, that. You, like, you get the right matchup, absolutely. Um, yeah, Georgetown plays a team like Tennessee in the first round. They could beat them. Why not? And then you never know. Maybe the maybe the 13 seed ends up upsetting the four seed. Or even if they don't, you're playing, you're playing another high major team, you know, that you can, you can compete with if you keep playing at this level. Um, I don't think I would take them any further than that, but, but sure. I mean, we see 12 and 13 seeds go to the sweet 16 all the time. And Georgetown is not going to be a, a typical 12 or 13 seed. Steve Lavin just said we would beat a good saga. Yeah, of course he did. Why wouldn't he? He's from a different planet. Well, we've recently been to Mars, so all things are possible. Exactly. <laughs> well, I just can't believe that, you know, all these pods we've done, I'm not going to lie, a lot of them, you know, helped me during the worst parts of the pandemic. I'm not going to try and downplay that it's over or anything yet, but some of the, you know, good parts were coming on here talking about these old games, and that's kind of Georgetown all that was giving us right for the last couple of years is retro stuff old stuff and now they've given us something for the ages in the present so i just think it's been you know i'm not trying to get all sappy here but you couldn't have really written it a better way i mean 
we knew that they weren't going to come out and be a type of dominating team from the start, but to have them do what they did is pretty good. I think we lost NY. I think he didn't like what I was saying. <laughs> well, well, well Brad, I will say this. where can where where yep. where can people find your work? So they can find my my bracketology at factsandbracks.blogspot. Oh, let me repeat that. Factsandbracks.blogspot.com. Okay. Um, I I call my bracketology facts and bracks because I have two sets. I have a a list of all the facts that include, you know, all of the metrics from net to key wins to wins against at large teams to your record against, uh, you know, the quadrant numbers, um, and and then of course the bracket. Um, and one other note of a game that just ended: uh, Western Kentucky just lost to North Texas, which is significant because Western Kentucky probably would have been a 12 seed. North Texas. Texas has a little bit of a worse resume and probably more towards the 13 line. Um, I think that gives Georgetown an even greater chance to be a 12 seed. I think they are in very good shape to get that 12. And that, that's always the, that's like, you know, I, I feel like the five twelve. that's always what people want to pick, right? Oh yeah. I mean, I don't think as much in the past, in, in, in these last couple of years, there's been as many, 12 fives up upsets because so many people are aware of it, but it's yeah. always the trendy upset pick. And I'm sure it will continue to be this year. Like other 12 seeds, uh, potentially you have a team like Winthrop who's 23 and one overall on the season. People are going to pick them to win. Some people are going to pick Georgetown to win. Um, and you know, and it's, you have to pick upsets if you're filling out a bracket or else you're not doing it the right way. Sounds like NY's back. I love the movie Black Klansman. Okay. Yeah, I think he's. Uh, I think he's ready for a nap. Yeah, I think so. And you know what? I think everyone associated with Georgetown needs to really rest. I want a lot of ice baths tomorrow. Patrick said that they're on their way to Indianapolis. I, you know what? Part of what's. I mean, it's a very small part of it. But the other night after Georgetown beat Seton Hall. All the, all the New York guys um, were asking Willard if they'd play in the NIT. And I am so happy not to have to worry about the NIT. And, you know, because it's weird. Like, it's 16. It's it's less teams than normal. You know, they have to go to Texas. And Willard said, you know, I don't think I want to – I don't think I want to do that. So, I mean, yeah, I don't, just... and I, don't bl- I don't blame Willard. I don't really blame a lot of coaches who, especially from the Northeast, like the NIT, the one great part about it is that, the semifinals and finals are at the garden. So yeah. At least you have, you know, that's, that's a big deal. Uh-huh. Now it's, it's 16 teams in Frisco, Texas, um, <laughs> where, you know, there's people don't even care about COVID. It's a, it's why would, why would you want to send your players there? It's just not worth it. Yeah. So, but I think, you know, as Georgetown fans, everyone's like, well, you know, want the season to continue. I know I brought it up. I think NY dismissed me a couple weeks ago. Um, somebody did, but, uh, it's great not to have to worry about that because I do think that at the moment they would be one of the teams that should have gone if they say they hadn't drubbed Creighton tonight. You know, I think that they fit the profile of good team that should be playing more basketball, particularly the way they ended. But it's nice to not have to worry about any of that nonsense, particularly when, like you said, it doesn't end at the garden because that's kind of like the best part. 
Exactly. Yeah, and I, I would agree with that. You know, they would have been in the mix for, for an NIT bid for sure. But because it's only 16 teams this year, you don't even, who knows how they would have selected it. They might have taken, you know, some of the top teams from lower tier conferences as well as like a mix. Like, but I mean, Georgetown doesn't have to worry about it, like you said. And, you know, not your problem. And why you, you, you got any problems tonight before we get out of here? I mean, we just won the Big East championship by 25 points against Creighton. So, what do you want to say? It wasn't even, it, you know what? 25 doesn't even do it justice. They went on a 46 to 8 run. That doesn't even make sense. We're living against on the Mars. Team, against the team that can, that can score it. <laughs> like, it's, this isn't a team that, you know, goes on many scoring drafts. So, that, that, that was really impressive. Yeah, no, it, everything worked out. It was storybook, Patrick at New York, Georgetown, you know, the Drake song he keeps talking about, the gumbo is made, you know, every little every little thing that they've been talking about all season, all of it came together, and it's crazy. I'm not going to lie, I was wrong. You, you know, the, the, the podcasts are out there. I did a lot of them. Times were not always great. There's things I said, and I was surprised about what was happening on the court, and Patrick always kept with the... I'm coaching with my gut and I'm trying to win every game. And there was a lot of times this year where I was kind of like, you know what, you know, what would be great is if, you know, some of the freshmen played more, maybe we saw him a little bit more Sibley, a little more Clark. And I don't think in that moment I was wrong, but guess what? I was. They played in the last four minutes of the game. <laughs> I, I actually thought in the post game interviews, am, am I wrong or when they interviewed Patrick after the game, were the Fox Sports commentators crying? It's possible. It's, it seemed like Rob Stone was. I think that Rob Stone was bawling when he was asking Patrick Ewing questions. Well, look, we don't have to get into it, but I just want to say something, and you don't have to comment if you don't want to. I don't think it would have been a really fuzzy feeling if Greg McDermott had won this tournament. <laughs> Everybody was rooting for Georgetown. Well, we can leave it at that. <laughs> yeah. I just think it would have been a little. It would have been a little awkward in the room. I'm. I just, you know, that's that's for Creighton to figure out. But I don't think it would have been the ending that everyone, everyone needed. The ending that they got was the ending that they needed. Absolutely. Uh, there's nothing. Really, there's nothing. The storyline, you know, the storyline, and I think they mentioned on the, on the on the broadcast, like everything was about. It's been about Patrick Ewing, Patrick Ewing, you know, at the Garden, blah, blah, blah. And I think that, in a way, may have taken some of the pressure off of Georgetown as well. You know, like, they don't have, they don't have a star, star player. Um, they're a bunch of guys who knew that they were flying under the radar. And if they did it, what they knew, what they were capable of doing and played as a team, that they, would, they could do this. They could achieve this. And uh, it, it, it is awesome to see Patrick Ewing winning a championship at Madison Square Garden. All right. Well, I want to thank everyone for coming on to Kente Corner, another successful run for this podcast. Georgetown has been just unstoppable since this podcast hit its second season. I want to point that out. And Brad, I can't wait to have you back maybe uh, sometime this week when we get to see what's going on and get a better idea of who Georgetown playing and what their path might be to the Sweet 16. And why? I know I will see you soon.